Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. This week's programme goes back to the 1960s and is a feature produced and presented by then veteran Radio Hong Kong broadcaster Ted Thomas in 1969 about the expansion of Kai Tak Airport, which at the time had 50 aircraft a day. While it was always known as Kai Tak, the name was officially made Hong Kong International Airport in the late 1950s. This is an edited down version by me to fit my programme length, but we hear from air traffic control, a fire safety drill, and the broadcast is just ahead of the era of the 747 and Concorde. Precision Cafe, Approaching Hong Kong. Visibility is low. A commercial airliner at 4,000 feet, 10 miles away, checks in for precision approach radar control landing. Over 100 passengers peer anxiously through the aircraft windows, squinting for a glimpse of the land below through the swirling mists outside. From Hong Kong's air traffic control center just below the airport control tower at Kai Tak, one man directs the delicate operation of talking 150 tons of aircraft down onto the runway. Radio Hong Kong presents The Growing Giant, a feature for radio produced by Ted Thomas. Another aircraft safely down. It's only one of over 50 every day. The gleaming silver plane taxis back down the runway and onto the parking apron. Beneath the concrete surface of the apron lies an intricate network of fuel pipes. Above, the usual convoy of multicolored vehicles converges on the aircraft. These are the service vehicles. They come with their crews, each charged with its own highly specialized task. Well, the uh, working teams are standing by, and all the vehicles are standing by for the arrival of the aircraft. That's passengers, buses, uh, prime movers, conveyor belts for the offload of the cargo and the baggage. Uh, when the aircraft arrives, of course, the passengers come down the gangways, and at the same time, the holes are opened and the passengers' baggage comes off first. The baggage is usually in the customs area within about 10 minutes of arrival, at which time uh, passengers are then beginning to process right through immigration. As the baggage is being taken care of, other vehicles move in underneath the aircraft and start to connect up. The first thing that's normally plugged into an aeroplane immediately, the engine shut down, would be a ground power unit. This is to supply electricity so that uh, all the ancillary services of the aeroplane can be kept working. And then we also supply air conditioners that supply tons of cold air into the aeroplane keep the passengers comfortable while they're waiting to get off the aeroplane. Then at later stages there would be all sorts of other different vehicles which would come up, catering vehicles, vehicles to take the passengers away of course to the terminal, freight trucks for all the baggage, toilet trucks and then at a later stage an air starter so as to start the aeroplane up again. Another thing that we do while the aircraft is here is that we have a team of chaps who go on board the aeroplane to clean the cabin while it's here. They go through, they hoover the carpet usually, change the headrests, uh, gather up any bits of paper and so on that are left lying around. 
and uh, generally smarten it up as much as they possibly can. Usually it's a very short stay, of course, only about half an hour on the ground, so that they can't really get down to washing it out or anything. And then when aircraft are here for longer periods, overnight perhaps, we can put on a bigger team of people who polish it all over and make it nice and gleaming. Baggage moving out, cleaning teams moving in. Meanwhile, the first passengers are beginning to leave the plane. Transit passengers to stretch their legs and browse through the duty-free shops in the transit lounge, disembarking passengers to the port health desks for the first of three formalities which must be completed before they're cleared into Hong Kong. Uh, when a passenger arrives Hong Kong, they must pass through uh, the port health department. The nurse will check in the health documents both for cholera and smallpox. Well, if they are coming from cholera infected area, then we check both cholera and smallpox. If they are coming from clean pot only, then we check smallpox. Well, if the passenger, they are holding invalid or immature, or even they don't have uh, any documents, then we just give the shot to the passenger and record down his name and all the particulars. After the passengers are cleared by Port Health, they then proceed to the immigration counters where their passport or travel documents is examined by the immigration officer on duty at the time. This takes approximately one minute. And providing the document is in order, the passenger then proceeds direct to the customs hall for his baggage. At present, we have a total of 16 arrival counters and 11 departure counters. However, after the 1st of November this year, the arrival counters will increase to a total of 32, and the departure counters will then increase to a total of 20. This increase should expedite the clearance of both arrival and departing passengers. Uh, at this stage, the passengers then proceed to claim their baggage and make the declarations to the preventive service officer as to whether they have anything to declare. As you know, it, Hong Kong is a free port, but we do have to uh, control certain items such as the uh, importation of dangerous drugs, dutable commodities and gold. Our main concern, of course, is the prevention of dangerous drugs being imported to Hong Kong. And we have had a few cases where drugs have been imported and preventive service officers have seized it and made arrests. During the past few years, we have had numerous occasions when gold has been seized. But on the whole, the passengers that come through here seem to be honest. And, of course, we deal a lot with tourists. At Kaitak, all this takes an average of 17 minutes. It's something of a record not only for the Southeast Asia area and the Far East, but comparing well with many other more advanced countries throughout the world. But at Kaitak, the planners are still not satisfied. You can't move about Hong Kong's airport for very long without meeting two topics of conversation which are obviously dominating the thinking of the planners. The arrival of the so-called jumbo jets, sometimes called the 747, and the necessity for extending the runway. To a large extent, the one depends upon the other. Airport Commandant Bill Morgan. The jumbo jets we're expecting next year are anticipated to carry a maximum of 350 passengers. And uh, although a lot has been talked about as far as the runway is concerned, these jets operating over sectors 
such as Tokyo or Bangkok or Singapore, uh, will be able to operate into and out of the uh, Hong Kong airport. Of course, for larger loads, or if these aircraft are, are intended to be used on uh, longer sectors, then an extension to the runway uh, will, of course, be required. Back at the aircraft, the cleaners are finishing their work. Specially designed high-lift catering trucks are nestled next to the service hatches of the plane, and food and drinks for the next leg of the flight are already being loaded. Well, what happens is normally we have a 35 to 45 minute turnaround and our high loaders, when the aircraft lands, are waiting outside for the aircraft. It lands, our high loaders move up to the aircraft and then we start to take off all the dirty equipment, dirty food and we reload with all the clean equipment, clean all the new food, all the fresh food. We produce approximately 4,500 per day. Sometimes it goes to 5,000, 5, even over 5,000 sometimes, depending on the airline's requirements. Uh, we, at the present moment, are just a, a few items from our uh, monthly shopping list. We have, uh, we use uh, Iranian caviar, we use about 100 pounds of Iranian caviar a month. We use about 10 tons of chicken a month. Uh, prawns and lobsters, we use about two tons. Uh, milk, we use about 1,500 1, gallons. Sandwich bread, we use three tons. Eggs, we use about 70,000 pieces. And detergents for cleaning equipment, for cleaning the whole building, to keep it in a good hygienic standard, we use one ton of detergents a month, approximately. Uh, all of these ingredients are not just for um, Hong Kong. We also send frozen foods to other stations uh, where the facilities are not as, and the, uh, the food is not as good as Hong Kong. And we, the airlines ask us to send, uh, we have items such as lamb chops, steaks, items like this, to Karachi, Calcutta, Bangkok, Vietnam, Taipei, Tokyo and Manila and other stations besides just not just Hong Kong we have other stations to take care of also modern jetliners burn up fuel at the rate of as much as 45,000 pounds per hour at Kaitak a number of commercial companies share the services of the fuel farm which organizes the supply and distribution of fuel to the aircraft and to airport vehicles the layout of the tank farm comprises about approximately 80,000 square feet and uh, within this 80,000 square feet we have uh, various tanks which are buried, semi-buried and which are also uh, of a vertical design which is above ground. You see. Now uh, within this insulation we also have various pumps, uh, each pump uh, uh, what you call, of course, uh, delivering the kind of fuel that is required. For instance, we have five uh, 50 horsepower pumps which are delivering Jet 1 fuel. Sometimes we call it AFTER, uh, sometimes it's called JP1 fuel. See. Now we have also three other types of pumps which are delivering Jet 4 fuel. Two commercial organizations are essential to the smooth operation of Hong Kong's international airport. The Hong Kong Air Terminal Services, known as HATS, and the Hong Kong Aircraft Engineering Company, HACO. HATS is a private company operating under government franchise. They're responsible for the movement of passengers, baggage, mail, and freight. Freight is the most rapidly growing side of the air movement business. 
Air freight now is really outstripping the um, growth of passenger traffic now on these aircraft. At the same time as passengers and air freight have grown, of course, hats have grown with it. Seven years ago, hats started off with 150 staff. We've now grown to 630. Also with mechanization, we've grown quite a bit. We're now looking forward to the handling of the 747, and this sort of equipment will be completely different to our present equipment for the loading and unloading of passengers, cargo, and uh, mail. In future, we intend to keep the baggage trolleys outside the customs hall. Uh, the baggage will be loaded onto conveyors at the outside road level. The conveyors will bring the baggage into the reclaim hall where it will be transferred to baggage circulators, which uh, are a racetrack shape and on the endless belt system they go round and round. The passenger stands by the belt and reclaims his bag as it uh, arrives at him. He then takes his bag to the customs officer, who will be sitting at benches along the north side of the reclaim hall. Meanwhile, as transit passengers wait out the 45-minute stopover period, the captain and first officer have made their way up to the air traffic services section for briefing on the next leg of the flight. An American military flight just departing is asking for advice. What uh, runway are we using and what are the current winds? Uh, at the moment we are using uh, runway 3-1 for takeoff at the moment because the wind is uh, northerly, about 10 to 12 knots. We were interested in uh, the weather south of here. We understand there's a line of thunderstorms. Uh, is your radar uh, capable of uh, following us through the thunderstorms and guiding us through? We have no radar on the aircraft. Mm. Um, well, in case you take off, uh, when you're ready to, for takeoff, you will get in touch with the approach control who will give you the uh, information and the uh, radar guidance on the way out. Briefing nowadays is largely a self-briefing. Pilots have access to all available flight information along the proposed route and plan their flight accordingly. The flight plan is filed at KaiTak and then sent electronically to other air traffic control centers along that route. Well, here's his uh, flight plan from Tokyo. It's a Canadian Pacific uh, DC-8, Empress 401 is the call sign, uh, coming from Tokyo at 35,000 feet. And uh, the captain is Stevenson, uh, 32 people on board this uh, aircraft. It's got enough fuel for eight hours, so that uh, he shouldn't have much difficulty in getting here. Going outbound to the southwest, there's uh, a couple of aircraft. There's a 727 of Air Vietnam going outbound, and a DC-6 of uh, Royal Air Cambodge also going on its way to Vientiane. Coming in from the east, we've got a DC-8 from Japan Airlines, three military aircraft, uh, they're transport aircraft, and we often have these coming and going. Outbound to the east, there's a Pan American 707, a Northwest Airlines 707, and going very shortly now, a Catholic Pacific uh, Combair 880. The southeast, towards Manila, we've got three aircraft inbound, a Philippine Airlines DC-8, a Air Vietnam 727, and uh, another military aircraft. Down in the air traffic control center, there's an atmosphere of quiet, unruffled competence. Here, in subdued lighting, air traffic control officers direct incoming and outgoing aircraft from the time they come within Hong Kong's area of responsibility until the time they leave. Well, the first indication we have uh, knowledge of an aircraft coming to Hong Kong is when we get a flight plan which 
comes off the teleprinter from the point of departure. In this case, it's Tokyo. This flight plan gives all the information about the flight, the uh, time it's going to take, the type of aircraft, how many people on board, and various other bits of information uh, concerning the flight. The flight plan will be sent to all the air traffic control units in whose areas the aircraft will fly through on the way to Hong Kong. The uh, flight plans are then processed by the assistants onto these coloured paper strips which are placed on this board in front of the controller so that it acts as a sort of aid memoir for him to help him to decide what his traffic is and how he's going to separate them so that they won't uh, collide with each other on the way in on the way out of Hong Kong. Uh, separation of aircraft, which is the main object of air traffic control, is done by several methods, the most important ones being that we ensure that there is a vertical separation between the aeroplanes below 29,000 feet, it's 1,000 feet, and above that it's 2,000 feet. And the other method is for time, so an aircraft crosses over a specified point, and the one following him at the same altitude doesn't cross that point until 15 minutes later. In this dark room, illuminated by the luminescent glow of the sweeping beams of the radar monitors, every change of aircraft direction, position and height within the area is carefully directed and recorded. The men at the radar screens murmuring directions to pilots, sometimes as far as 200 miles away, are air traffic controllers. They're a very skilled and dedicated elite of professionals. Empress 401, this is Hong Kong position. Continue heading 325. You're nine miles from touchdown and approaching the glide path. How do you read me? 401, Roger. Do not acknowledge any further instructions. 325 is good. Closing you slowly from left to right. Commence your descent now for a three-degree glide path. Check your wheels down and locked for landing. You're clear to land. The surface wind... 360 degrees at 10 knots. Heading is good. On the glide path, one mile from touchdown. Going slightly below the glide path now. Slightly below the glide path. On the center line. Heading is good. Slightly below the glide path, half a mile from touchdown, approach complete. Hong Kong Airport has an enviable safety record. Yet it isn't an easy airport to operate into or out of. Some say that the exemplary safety record here is because of the difficulty of the approach, making pilots even more careful than usual. But a far more likely reason is the rigorous training program established and maintained by the airlines working out of here. I flew with Cathay Pacific, Hong Kong's own airline, on a regular training mission. In the left seat, Captain Alec Wales, Deputy Operations Manager. In the right seat, undergoing a routine test, First Officer John Tabernacle. Regular training drills include flying the aircraft using instruments only, simulated emergencies such as engine failure and fires. The pilot under test wearing a black hood that restricts his vision to the area immediately surrounding the instrument panel. Other exercises include the flying of the aircraft under the complete direction of ground radar, the precision approach, 
Simulated engine failures are rehearsed during critical periods of takeoff and landing. Throughout all of these, an atmosphere of cool efficiency reigns on the flight deck. This plane is a Convair 880. The promised arrival of new and presently unfamiliar aircraft will bring additional problems, new skills to be learnt, new controls and instruments, new procedures. The jumbo jets will mark the first major change, placing as they will additional strains on all the airport facilities. Further ahead looms the Anglo-French Concorde, the first of the supersonics. Uh, looking first of all at the Concorde aircraft, uh, we see no great problems here at all because the Concorde is, is not a very large aeroplane. Uh, its landing speed and takeoff speed and, and, and ability to land and take off um, should enable it to quite happily use Hong Kong Airport. Uh, there are lots of things talked about the, the noise of these aeroplanes. I don't think this is going to bother us at all at Hong Kong because uh, there's only a noise from a supersonic aircraft when it's actually flying above the speed of sound. And these aircraft uh, coming into Hong Kong will have reduced from supersonic speed to subsonic speed uh, probably some 150 miles away from Hong Kong. So any supersonic bangs will in fact occur well out to sea. Another essential part of the airport organization is the airport fire contingent. In charge of this unit is Divisional Commander Taff Williams. He's been in the airport fire services for well over 20 years. Well, it is a specialised uh, fire and rescue service purely to cover uh, aircraft accidents, bad landings. We do have a fire boat attached to the airport. We also have a diving team in the event of anything going over the sea wall. And uh, these divers are normal crewing on an on appliance, and they are actually trained to uh, get into an aircraft if necessary underwater. We do have monitors on the uh, console in the watch room. We listen into those. Uh, we can tell by that whether the pilot has found trouble with the aircraft whilst he's coming in. Secondly, the air traffic controller on duty would inform us if he's uh, received prior warning. And thirdly, the chappie on duty in the watch room, if he sees anything go wrong with the aircraft, he automatically alerts the crew. And it's only a case of seconds for the crews to mount the machines and be away. Rescue control, this is Hong Kong Grand, a Texas crash, a DC-4, just got airborne off runway one seconds after the call has been received that an aircraft has crashed into the sea off the end of the runway. The fireboat is already moving out from the jetty into position. We're being followed by one, two, three, eight units. A helicopter is moving forward. Helicopter is following us. We're now slowing down at the end of the runway. An 
as we come to a halt at the grass strip, one minute and four seconds have elapsed since the first call. Tower rescue leader in position at the end of the runway. Florence is just arriving. Ladders being got down the sea wall. Over. And immediately on arrival, the fire appliances pull up alongside us overhead. You can hear the helicopter. The fireboat is moving out from the end of the runway. And in the open door of the helicopter, hovering at about 50 feet above us, we can see one rescuer ready to drop down near to where the simulated crash is taking place. Ladders and ropes are being taken out of the appliances. All the appliances themselves have now come to a halt at the end of the runway by the edge of the sea. Now Cathay Pacific Flight 450 has been fueled, fed and watered. The aircraft is cleaned and checked, ready for takeoff. Transit passengers have been called to the buses to resume their places in the plane. New passengers arrive simultaneously and walk across the hot concrete to the Convair 880, which will lift them into the skies for the next leg of their journey. The doors close. The pilot eases the throttles forward, and the huge wheels begin to roll. Smiling hostesses help the more nervous with their seat belts. The pilot guides the great machine off the parking apron and taxis to the beginning of the runway. With the control tower radioing final clearance, the sleek airliner lunges forward and quickly gathers speed straight down the middle of the run. describes a graceful curve towards Limon Pass and the sun above the clouds. Behind, Kaitak falls away, having done its job of caring for this one aircraft, now to continue its job of caring for many more. The Growing Giant was produced and presented by Ted Thomas. Appearing in the program were T.R. Thompson, Director of Civil Aviation, Bill Morgan, Airport Commandant, Kaitak, Michael Funk, Deputy Commandant, Bill Sari, Sales Manager, Hong Kong Aircraft Engineering Company, Les Bald, Manager, Hong Kong Air Terminal Services, Taff Williams, Divisional Commander, Airport Fire Contingent, Captain Alec Wales, Deputy Operations Manager, Cathay Pacific Airways, First Officer John Tabernacle, Cathay Pacific Airways, Don Falgate, Superintendent Air Traffic Services, Roger Ayres, Air Traffic Controller, Limo Han, Telecommunications Supervisor, Jose Augusto Rodriguez, Fuel Farm Superintendent, 
KK Wong, Briefing Officer, Air Traffic Services, Stephen Ng, Airport Secretary, J.B. Wake, Assistant Chief Preventive Officer, Dr. I.K. Chung, Senior Port Health Officer, and Jerry Byrne, Immigration Department. The production assistant for Radio Hong Kong was John Herbert. Veteran Radio Hong Kong broadcaster Ted Thomas there with a feature on Kai Tak Airport in 1969. Unfortunately, I had to cut it down considerably to fit my program size, so I'll see about getting an extended version with all the aspects of the future and of funding that I had to cut out. So I'll put that up on the podcast. I'll let you know when. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.